We often talk about parents who accept their LGBTQ plus kids and about parents who don't. Today, we're going to flip the script and talk about children who condemn their LGBTQ plus parents and how to respond to that. You know, maybe this is for you, maybe for someone you love. So let's talk about how we can best protect our hearts against what can feel like a relentless, intimate attack and how we can respond to these common arguments. Would it be okay if I were to tell you that I am afraid someday? So I call you up and you call me down. Would it be okay? Well, hello and welcome to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Aren't you glad we're here? I'm so glad we're here. And I'm so glad you're here. Who are you? Susan Cottrell. Oh, and you're here with? Robert Cottrell. Very good. (laughs) We thought we'd we'd just uh, switch it up there because this is Switch It Up episode. Also, by the way, don't forget to share, support, and subscribe. Contact us, connect with us. It's all at freedhearts.org. We're going to switch it up a little bit because we've talked a lot about LGBTQ plus people who have been rejected by their parents and accepted by their parents. And, and last week we talked about that. And also, again, about how beautiful and powerful it is when a parent affirms their child. Well, today we're going to flip the script. And a lot, you know, we hear a lot of great stories of children who fully support a parent who comes out later in life. But today we're going to talk about when a non-affirming child rejects and condemns their LGBTQ plus parent. And if you're an adult out there who came out later in life, that's tough. That, that carries a whole different set of issues, especially if there's a, if there's a spouse involved from a straight marriage or children and and so I, I just have tremendous admiration for your courage and your bravery and your strength to be able to come out later in life and live true to yourself. I know there are, we're dealing with some, some health stuff and we talk about the risks of going this way or going that way. And I know that there are, there are risks and involved when you come out later in life. You have things to navigate in terms of relationships with your children and whatnot. But there's also risks to not living an authentic life. And I just want you to know out there that I'm proud of you for for making that choice. But again, sometimes a child will absolutely reject a parent who has come out later in life. And we want to talk about that today. And this may apply directly to some of you. It may apply to someone you love. But in any case, this is really good and important to talk about because it also helps us be more aware of what's going on and better equipped to respond because these arguments, these these comments this child makes are things we hear about ourselves, about our own children. So it helps us be better equipped to respond. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, this was tipped off because we, well, we got a lovely email from a, a gay woman whose son wrote to condemn her because clearly that's the role God put him in. Yeah. And he pulled out these cherry-picked Bible verses to use as a weapon against her. And we wanted to use this episode to address him and anyone else who uses verses like this to judge others. And this is from your response to to, yeah. to her, yes. to help her respond to him. Yes. And by the way, just in case you, you have not heard this yet, please go back and listen to, we have two episodes that are very good to talk about that the Bible actually affirms transgender people 
and that the Bible uh, does not in any way whatsoever condemn homosexuality or same-sex relationships. Those are in just recently um, aired episodes, so you might go back and listen to those. Yeah. I'll read you the verses and the son's comments, and then I'll break it all down and give you my answers. Cool. Yeah. So I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Okay. This is 2 Timothy 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. And the son says, desire turns into accommodation and desire then turns into acceptance. We cannot compromise truth to accommodate culture. Then before you know it, you have one big church filled with a bunch of non-believers following a false teacher and a false teacher who supplements God's truth with man's truth, and a false teacher who tells people to follow their heart and pursue what makes them happy. <laughs> okay, to compromise the word of God in church is a blatant mockery of God. And he quotes James 4.4, 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Okay, so okay. You, had, you had a response. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah, I see what you mean here. These verses certainly do seem to point to imminent danger, and they want to warn us to navigate carefully the troubled waters of this world. But the danger is completely the opposite of the danger that he sees here. Because, dear Christian, your Christianity is based on rules. My Christianity is based on love, Mm. like Jesus's. And that is all the difference in the world. So listen again, 2 Timothy 4, 3, verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. I think I know where you're going here. Yes, yes, indeed. That time is here. Yep. When we no longer listen to sound doctrine that Jesus handed us, love your neighbor, love your enemy, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is sound doctrine and wholesome teaching. But instead, far too many Christians, they follow leaders who tell them what their itching ears (laughs) want to hear. You don't have to help your neighbor. Let him pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Don't let anybody come here and steal your rightful earnings. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. This is your land. Don't let anyone else on it. Who cares if they've been ravaged by war? You're a self-made man. You deserve everything you have. Do you hear that? Mm. Does that resonate? And it's disgusting. Mm, It's disgusting. It goes all the way from love and turning the other cheek to responding with an assault rifle. That's Mm. the difference here. It's night and day. Does this sound anything like Jesus? Mm. No. But this is what itching ears want to hear. That's why we have 24-hour news channels to bring it. Yeah, I mean, this... this, Because listening ears are are hearing. Yeah, exactly. And I I think of... I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, but the the eyes of Tammy Faye. I remember the scene in that movie where Jerry Falwell, senior, um, is talking about kind of... And he started the moral majority, which really turned against homosexuality. And oh, be- my gosh. And became an it issue. was disastrous. Because, why? Because that's what itching ears wanted to hear. How did he know that? I'm just being honest here, because that's what brought in the money. Yeah. Okay. 
That's what brought in the money. And what they've done here is they've taken something good and they've made it evil. So this love God, love your neighbor, unconditional God. Um, Let me interrupt there. Sure. Excuse me. On that scene where he's saying, you know, we've got to condemn homosexuality. And Tammy Faye, very innocently at the table, so-called innocently, says, you know, I think we just should love them the way God tells us. <laughs> and Jerry turns to Tammy Faye's husband, Jim, and says, you better, you better, what do he say? Um, reel this person in or control her. Yeah, reel her in. Yeah. You better control her. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh. So love is not appealing to a church yeah. structure that wants its leadership and wants control. Just yeah. letting people be and loving them the way Jesus told us to well, is a threat. Yeah, the wonderful Bishop Gene Robinson said something, and I'll and I'll paraphrase this, but like you can preach a God of of judgment and hate and hellfire all day long, but start preaching a God of unconditional love and acceptance, and you'll really get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And that's they've taken the goodness of that that is Jesus's message, and they've made it evil. Why? Well, for a lot of reasons, but but because it 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 produces the kind of audience that is controllable, that gives money, that that is easily in the box, and and they're just yeah. ready for again. That's what itching ears want to hear. Yeah, and he goes on here. This this son chastising his mother, and it, it says, "Desire turns into accommodation." Indeed, it does, and desire turns into acceptance. He says, "Yes," and we have become accustomed to hearing rhetoric that actively incites us to hate our neighbor. We have accommodated and accepted teaching that actively incites us to hate our neighbor. Can you imagine the kind of talk we have today, 50 years ago? Hmm. No, because we had at least some investment in each other's lives. We knew that we were connected as neighbors, but now it's become normal to villainize people who are just trying to live a peaceable life. Oh, that yeah. is heartbreaking. Yeah. And the emailer actually went on to say, and you can respond to this too, he said, we cannot compromise truth to accommodate culture. Right. Yes. And the church has com- has compromised truth exactly. to accommodate culture of hatred and fear and fracturing of anyone's anyone who's different from them. The church has accommodated culture all along. That whole one man, one woman thing from way back when? <laughs> well, what about all the patriarchs who married multiple wives? That was the church, so to speak, the, the synagogue, whatever, accommodating culture because that's what they did. That's mm-hmm. what the kings did and the patriarchs. So it's just so blind yeah. to think that the church does not accommodate mm-hmm. culture. It's, it's become, it does all the time. It's become normal. We talked just a few episodes ago about the, the teaching of contempt. Uh, which is us versus them, and that has that that decades ago would I mean it's it's been around for a long long time, but Hundreds. that that teaching has become not only normal, it's become accepted and encouraged by an entire section of the population. That that again we they are compromising truth to accommodate culture. That's exactly yes. what's happening, but That's right. exactly the opposite way of what this son thinks. And that is our culture today, as you just said, that that instead of challenging this breakdown of truth, the church is reveling around in it. It's doubling down and patting themselves on the back as more and more civil rights are dismantled before our eyes of people that they don't like. 
And, you know, who cares about the rule of law? We're happy to break the law to ensure our only, our own, quote, godly ends. And so what if not everyone is a Christian or ascribes to Christianity in this country? It doesn't matter. We can impose our beliefs on everyone. That's yeah. the culture of much Christianity today. Yeah. Not all of it. There's a, there are a lot of Christians doing yeah. great things that are outside that structure. We normally describe this as either the non-affirming church or the box church, or the ultra-religious church. That's what we're talking about. Not all of Christianity. Right, right. But, but that, that, that bulk of evangelical, non-affirming, uh, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And he said, then before you know it, you have a big church filled with a bunch of non-believers following a false teacher, and a false teacher who supplements God's truth with man's truth, and a false teacher who tells people to follow their heart and pursue what makes them happy. Heaven forbid. Well, that's, okay. that's so funny because he's got it. He's got it right uh, <laughs> as far as what the non-affirming church is doing, except that last part. Yeah, and they're encouraging people not to follow their heart, not to follow the spirit, which is exactly what Jesus yeah. told us to do. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, because no. our churches are filled with people who don't want to, don't know what it means to love their neighbor or to be kind when they don't feel like it. Mm. To help people who don't have resources that resources that they have in abundance to help someone that it, you know, who can't directly help them back. And they've not just supplemented, but superseded God's truth Mm. with man's truth. Treating people, you know, that God created in God's image with contempt. And their false teachers tell them to do what makes them happy. False religious teachers in bed with politicians rewriting the very rule of law. Mm. And that thing that makes them happy I'm talking about is to hate their neighbor, mm. being empowered to hate their neighbor yeah. in these churches. Yeah. And he also wrote, to compromise the word of God in the church is a blatant mockery of God. Yes, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> and this arm of the church has made a mockery of every word from Jesus' mouth. That's true. He said, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let me just say, first of all, that's very convenient. If I hate people in the world, God is on my side. That's very convenient to to say. Yeah, and that's not at all what that verse meant, the context. Right, yes. But anybody who is a friend to all these world systems that destroy the poor and create billionaires— how did we lose our shock at world systems that creates billionaires while billions of people starve? And they think gay people's the problem here? <laughs> well, again, if you can distract them, if you could distract the masses right. to focus on, on gay marriage and, and all this kind of stuff, then they don't see what's really going on. Right. right. And, and they sweep things like sexual abuse under the table and patriarchy and misogyny and all this stuff under the table because those gays. Right. And even though the Bible says 300 plus times to help the poor, to help people in need. And we have lost that as a culture. We really have. The church has lost that as a a motivating, you know, whatever precept. Yeah. So how did you, how did you wrap this up? Yeah. So, you know, you talked about sound doctrine. Well, what is sound doctrine? Jesus couldn't have been clearer that the point, the great command that overrides all others is to love each other. And then, knowing men as he does, he told us what that means. It's caring for your neighbor. It's helping them when they need help without stopping to check whether they're worthy 
It's being love in the world, which is all but lost track of love in favor of rules, judgment, and condemnation. And you think trans people are the problem? Give me a break. We can't even suggest that we need to learn how to love well without some Christian popping in and saying, oh, I am loving well by telling them they're in sin. We reject that. Mm -hmm. We soundly reject that. Love that is not received as love is not love. People can say all kinds of things are love, but the recipient determines whether it is received as love or not. You know, you can force yourself on someone and say it's because you love them, but that person knows better. When you drive people off of cliffs with your rules, especially claiming God as you do it, that is not love in any universe. There's a great meme that we that we share sometimes that has a person kicking a person off a cliff and says, I can do all things through the verse taken out of context. Oh. <laughs> you know, and and yeah, 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 absolutely. And we've again we've we've done a couple of episodes on this back aways about what is love and what is not love and what does real love look like. So so if you want to hear us talk more, which yeah. I mean, come on, you got to hear us. I know you want to hear us talk more. <laughs> I know you do. I go back and and, and find those episodes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so how did you wrap this up? Yeah, with him? and and just I use the cliff example figuratively, but literally, my uh-huh. ancestors, the Waldensians, which were among the very first reformers, were thrown over cliffs by the then prevailing church, which was the Catholic Church. Jeez. And so it's a literal, literal thing. And over history, we've seen it everywhere. We do not need any more proof of this, do we? The religious leaders of Jesus' day condemned people as unacceptable, telling them God doesn't accept them, what they're doing or who they're being. These are the religious leaders who knew Scripture inside out, and this is what they got out of their teaching. I mean, seriously. And Jesus called them out. He said, They couldn't be more wrong. He said, you don't even know who God is. You have totally lost the plot. Is anyone listening here? (laughs) That sounds a little familiar. It sounds so familiar. And today's religious leaders of this type do the exact same thing and expect a different result. (laughs) They expect Jesus to give them a high five and say, well done, religious leaders. You really called out those sinners. How brave you were to speak the truth so boldly. Way, way not to give in to culture there. This is probably another episode, but do you really think they think that these days? Or do, I mean, I think a lot of them know exactly what they're doing and exactly what the truth is, and they're just ignoring it for their own, to further their own agenda. And I, you know, there may be some out, out there, I'm sure there are some who think that Jesus is going to give them a high five, but I'm not sure. I really do think a lot really. of the rank and file, like the parents, they've been so conditioned Parents, yes. Those in the congregation, yes, I think so. Yes, but the leaders, no, I agree with you 100%. Yes, I think the parents, the congregation thinks that, yep, this is what Jesus wants us to do, we're doing. I think the religious leaders know better. Yeah, I mean, he didn't didn't approve of that 2,000 years ago. You know, he called those religious leaders horrible names. It it, it is stunning to me that religious leaders today don't see that parallel. They should be reading all the verses. You think they do is what your point is. I mean, there hasn't really been an honest theological debate on the clobber passages for decades and decades. Right. You know, but they know that. They know the original language, but yeah. They know the context, but this they know the edits and translations, but this, but to acknowledge that would they'd have to change their whole game. Right. And I think the same thing is true about some of this. I'm not sure. I'm I mean, we'll No, I agree. We'll 
we give the congregation and the parents and things like that. We understand that's probably what's going on there, but I'm just not sure about some of these religious leaders. Well, and we've heard it from yeah. their own mouths in private of leaders saying, I really, I really know what you're saying is true, but if I teach that, I'll lose my church. Yeah. Okay, so your church has superseded loving your neighbor, yeah. like being the love in the world that Jesus said. You've just given up the gospel when for Jesus, your own security. Yeah, because when Jesus confronted the religious leaders about this, he yelled at them yeah, and called them terrible names. Yeah, and, and it, tell, it wasn't a joke. Yeah. I it mean, wasn't just a, an oversight on their part. That's right. And he right. doesn't, and he, he condemns them. And people who increase harm and isolation of those who yeah. are suffering, those who are powerless to stop them, from themselves from being hurt, these are the ones who have really lost the plot, and those are specifically religious yeah. leaders. Yeah. So wrap one, it up. What was the, what yeah, was the your ones last? who see and relieve the pain? Let me just say, <laughs> the ones who see and relieve the pain and suffering of those who are powerless to repay them, these are the ones who are really living out the gospel of Christ. That's what it means. This is the true heart of faith and spirituality. And don't let rules trip you up on your path, just throw them aside because the the whole main rule was to love each other mm-hmm. and to care for each other. And Jesus said, if you do those those things, if you love God, love others, um, then all the other rules that you ever need to worry about will yeah. fall in under that. That's right. That's all you need to do. And if you inflict pain and hurting, if you inflict pain to the ones who are suffering, then you're like the religious leaders. And if you help relieve the pain of people who are suffering, then you're the good Samaritan. That's all you need to know. All our faith understanding should be poured through that filter. Mm, Yeah, that's good. What a great response. I mean, and that's true. We talk about this as people are thinking who are in the middle of deconstructing their faith or, well, how do I read the Bible now? How do I read this? Yeah. And we talk about reading it through the filter, through the lens of love. Yes. And that, that helps you understand, helps you realize that, that maybe if you're, as you read things through the lens of love and you come up on a passage, what I've been taught is probably not the right interpretation or they're not taking into consideration the truth of context or original language or, or they've missed the edit history and all that kind of stuff. And so, so that's always a good thing to read through the lens of love. Did you have something? Yeah, I did. I want to I say two things. First sure. of all, when you read it, if you read it, bear in mind that the idea of a literalistic interpretation inerrant view of the Bible is less than 150 years old. Well, hang on for a second, because I want to say here, right here and right now, yeah, that every word in the Bible is literally true. Well, then they start grouping themselves into sentences and you've gotten yourself a problem. (laughs) That's a meme we just found and it's great. (laughs) I love that. Sorry. Um, So you were saying it's 150 years old, the inerrancy. Yeah, that's a recent belief system that the Bible is inerrant and accurate literalistically. It is not, and it was never viewed that way and was never meant to be viewed that way. It's a product that's really a a product of the Reformation that's come out of that, but it's a bad interpretation. I think that what people need to realize too is that almost any interpretation of Scripture is your own interpretation. It's It's based on your own beliefs and things like that. That's why... Your time and place. Right. We don't see witches around every corner to burn at the stake right. the way we did right. in 1600s. And right? that's why I think it's important to... Again, I've shared this before, but my favorite verse in the Bible, one of them is that 
the enemy comes against the simplicity that is life in Jesus. I think that's why Jesus made it simple. Yeah. And all these interpretations, all these translations, all these edits, all these books included, all these books left out, all these kind of things going on with the Word of God, Jesus said, you know what? No, 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 no. Love God, love others. Everything else you need to worry about is taken care of. And put the Word of God in quotes because Jesus is... Because the Bible says Jesus is the Word of God, yeah. not the Bible. Okay, and, and but I do want to say one more thing to give permission for people who cannot stomach the Bible right now because they've been so hurt by it and so uh, whatever, that you are perfectly permitted to just take a break from reading it, put it on yourself, and take a break right now and, and enjoy a rediscovery mm. of your relationship. The Spirit. With spirit yeah. and what that means. So, you know. There's a whole, there's, there's, yeah, kind of outside of that box, you know, get in touch with spirit, who Jesus said would lead us in all truth. Yeah. Really, yeah, that's a great, that, that's a great reminder there, great encouragement for a great people. Permission that if yeah. you, if the, if reading the Bible at this point in time doesn't give you joy and life, set it aside because it'll get in your way because it's been badly interpreted. And you need to give it time to rest while you press into spirit so that you can see it later with fresh eyes. So it's not that there's anything wrong with the Bible. What's wrong is the interpretation that's been added to it that you need to let settle out of your mind so you can move into it again in a life-giving way if you want to do that. Yeah. You know what? We get <laughs> we get passionate about this and we get worked up by this. Why? Because it's the least of these who are being harmed by, honestly, self-righteous, self-focused, judgmental people who live and breathe the teaching of contempt. They're the oppressors. They are the, the oppressors. And honestly, there's no middle ground there. You stand with the oppressed or you stand with the oppressors. And we see it with the poor, the hungry, women, disabled, people of color. We see it with society and parents condemning their LGBTQ plus children. And as we heard today, sometimes children who condemn their LGBTQ plus parents. And it all comes, it all comes from the same mindset, usually done with the disgusting, abusive, false teaching of adding God's name to it, instead of actually following the teaching of Jesus that calls us to love, love above all else. And it tells us that if we know, if we love, we know God. And if we don't love, we don't know God. And it tells wow. us, I know. That's, That's so if powerful. If you love, you know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. Boom. You know, and then if we simply love God and love our neighbor, which by the way, includes our LGBTQ plus children and our LGBTQ plus parents, all the rest of what we're quote supposed to do just falls under that. Is it that simple? Is it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is that simple. Yeah. So here's what you need to do today as we, as we leave our time together. Again, thanks for joining us. You go love and be loved. That's what you deserve. That's what we all deserve. We love you. Would it be okay If I were to tell you That I am afraid Someday So I call you up And you call me down Would it be okay You've been listening to the Freed Hearts Podcast. We have extensive resources and vibrant community for you at www freedhearts.org just come say hello and if you have questions or issues or comments about the podcast things you'd like us to talk about reach out to us at podcast at freedhearts.org
Org. The music is provided by Hannah Cottrell, our daughter, the Grammy-nominated Saint Sinner, and you can find out more about her at HeySaintSinner.com. Please share this, subscribe, and follow on your favorite platform, and thanks for listening.